This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, also from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Peggy Holmes, also from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Dion Reed. Our, <laughs> we got the whole the whole gridiron here today. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Right. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a second-round NFL pick out of East Carolina. Played seven seasons with those New England Patriots. Oh, right there. Here you go. <laughs> He's a 1,000-yard rusher, played in the 85 Super Bowl. He's a member of the 83 Pro Bowl team. We got running back Tony Collins here. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. We, we got a New England Patriot on. Can't go wrong with that. You know, there so. you go, man. There you go. Now you're talking. <laughs> so as always, we'll have a Q&A for Tony about his career after tonight's debate. And tonight's debate is the greatest playoff, NFL playoff upset of the 1980s. And we're going to start this out with uh, 1983. All right. So 83, we got the Seahawks and the Dolphins here. Um, the Seahawks, they just went nine and seven, snuck into the playoffs due to a tiebreaker over the Browns. Uh, late season collapse by the Bills definitely helped out. So they had the 24th ranked defense in points allowed and the 27th ranked defense in yardage surrendered. So th this was not a good, not a good defense for sure. Meanwhile, you had the Miami Dolphins who went 12 and four. They won the AFC East. They were tied for the most wins in the conference. They had the seventh highest scoring offense, the league's best defense uh, as far as rankings and points allowed. Yeah, Danny Marino in his rookie season, um, he had just he had taken over for David Woodley, and he had just gone on a tear. Uh, seven and two with uh, 20 TD passes to just six interceptions, made the Pro Bowl, All-Pro team, and was third in the NFL voting uh, for the MVP. And this isn't just nine games. And then on the other side of the ball, you had uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Doug Betters, who had 16 sacks. So the divisional playoff game was to be played in Miami's Orange Bowl, uh, over 3,000 miles away from the home of the Seahawks. Vegas had the Dolphins favored by eight points at kickoff, so it looked like it was going to be a formality for Miami. Uh, things looked fairly promising for the Dolphins early on. Marino threw two TD passes. Uh, and they went into the halftime locker room with a six-point lead. But in the second half, the Seahawks outscored Miami 20-7 to for the win. The defense forced five turnovers overall, beat Miami by 10 minutes in the time of possession battle, and their workhorse running back, Kurt Warner, rolled up 151 yards from scrimmage on 34 touches. Uh, this would be the only time that the Seahawks would ever advance to the AFC Championship game uh, in their 25 seasons in that conference. And as we know for Dan Marino, this was the first of many playoff disappointments in his career. So Bleacher Report had an article in which it ranked this game the ninth most most shocking in playoff history. So it definitely belongs in our conversation tonight. Tony, my first question with that is how hard is it to play when you're doing that cross-country travel? How much does that take out of you? And then just give us your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. Most teams, I know we did it when we were in the playoffs. We uh, got, got out to L.A. Uh, uh, a week uh, a week before the game. So we practiced out there, got, kind of got used to the time time change. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big difference. So you, 
So I'm I'm pretty sure Seattle uh, came to Miami uh, maybe three or four days before, maybe even a week before the before the game, and that pretty pretty much helped them out. And you know, once you get into the playoffs, man, one of the things that I've always uh, I've seen uh, the team that runs the ball and could control the clock in the playoffs is, is usually going to win the game. Of course, defense, not without a doubt, defense wins championships. But uh, when you get five turnovers uh, in the game, man, that's 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 huge. Even even if it's Dan Marino playing. Yeah, no one's coming back from five turnovers. That's 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 for sure. So let's uh, let's move on to uh, 1986. And we want to talk about themes when we talk about this divisional playoff game, January 3rd, 1987. Bears, excuse me, Redskins at Bears. And the first thing I want to talk about, theme I want to talk about, is trash talking. The Bears had gone 32-3 and between 1985 and 1986. The headline of the Chicago Tribune says, Bears ready if the Redskins show up. On the other side, you've got a 12-4 and Redskins team, coached by no best, better than Joe Gibbs, who, of course, had astonished the football world by establishing that it didn't matter who a quarterback, who a running back, or wide receiver was, you get an O-line, a Cadillac O-line, and you can put anybody behind it. There was no way the Bears should have lost this game. There was no way that anybody could have thought that a 14-2 team, a team that only lost three games in two years, was going to make it. And with that vaunted Bear defense, arguably one of the best defenses ever to play, there was no way. All the regulars were back. They had lost nobody from that 85 championship team. They were ready to repeat, but they ran into a problem. <laughs> the Redskins did show up, and the Redskins were ready to play. Right off the bat, Redskins take advantage of that blitz and bear defense. Next thing you know, 24-yard touchdown pass, Art Monk, hero. Then the next quarter, Guess who gets burned? Daryl Green gets burned by Willie Galt for a 50-yard touchdown. The Bears fans thought, okay, we're in it again. Next thing you know, come out halftime, and once again, that, that uh, Redskin coaching staff, who arguably, I believe, is the best halftime coaching staff ever uh, in halftime adjustments, comes out. And Richie Pettibone shuts down that bear offense led by Doug Flutie. In the next, in the third quarter, you have another touchdown pass. Once again, taking, taking advantage of the Bears' tendency to blitz. And Joe Gibbs strikes and Art Monk again with a touchdown. And two field goals follow that after long clock, clock burning drives. Fourth quarter, the Redskins dominate again. And this time, Daryl Green redeems himself by intercepting a flutie pass to the 26. 
the Redskins march in one yard touchdown drive. Final score 27 13. And yes, the Redskins did show up. Tony, a lot of people have said that Ditka was out coached that game. Um, you know, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts about that. And then also, she mentioned the, the Bears defense. We did a greatest single seasons defense show with Brian McFadden, and the 85 Bears were voted the, the greatest single season defense of all time. This is only a year removed, all the same players. So just tell us a little bit about that defense as well. Well, you know, I got a chance to play against that defense a couple times. Uh, uh, and, and every time uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. Um, so they they had a defense that was before its time and they had the uh, personnel to, to play the, the type of defense that they played. And uh, I mean, it, it was, you know, Coach Barry, uh, who was our coach when we went to the Super Bowl, he said that their defense was before its time. And they had the players to play that the particular defense that they played, and and it was incredible. But I don't know if you guys remember Buddy Ryan; he was uh, uh, the the guy who, who who got that thing going. But uh, I'm gonna tell you, it, it's 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 every game. I know Daryl Green, Daryl Green, really good, and I play. Uh, he has a golf tournament every year that I play in, and uh, we we talk a lot about uh, those those days and. Uh, uh, he, I, I think he actually mentioned this game to us because everybody thought the Bears were going to repeat, of course. And uh, mm -hmm. he just, they just knew they were going to win the game. <laughs> and, you know, and that's all you can say because when you go into a game and and, and you guys believing that you're going to win the game, uh, most likely, man, it's, it's going to be a successful turnout for you. And, and uh, they, they played well. Uh, and, you know, again, the, the Bears had the better team, but the Washington Redskins played better that day. Well, that's all it takes sometimes. Well, let's move to 1987. 1987, which most people could consider the greatest playoff upset of all time. It took place in a divisional round between the visiting Minnesota Vikings going to the highly favorite San Francisco 49ers took place in the uh, traditional uh, uh, candlestick part, which is no longer called that now, but um, it was around 50 degrees outdoor, played on grass. The 49ers went into the game as 11-point favorites. Um, That's one of the highly uh, upsets this, uh, from the Vegas books. Uh, just looking at the face value of who were going into that game. Um, I, you know, I'm someone who doesn't look at quarterback wins as, as uh, something to take um, a lot of weight. I think it's a bit overrated stat. But you're talking about Wade Wilson, a guy who in his career ended up with more interceptions and touchdown passes, going against a Hall of Fame Joe Montana, who was later relieved by another Hall of Fame quarterback, Steve Young. Um, and just the comparison between those two in that game, Wade Wilson two, through 298 yards, two touchdowns and an interception versus Steve Young and Joe Montana, who threw 24 for 43, just over 50% uh, completion percentage, two, 267 yards, one touchdown, and, and, and two interceptions going for a pick six. Uh, the other face value of the coach, 
Jerry Burns versus the great Bill Walsh, who has had a huge impact on today's game and how it's now a pass-oriented league. Um, throughout the game, the game was very tight in the beginning, a very defensive game in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, uh, the Vikings just took over. And the game was basically over um, in the middle of the second quarter when Joe Montana threw a pick to Najee Mustafa that went to the house and put the game at 20-3. Come out the halftime, the 49ers did score, but the game was pretty much uh, out of reach because the Vikings controlled the ball. They had the time of possession. They had the turnover battle. They had more first downs than the Vikings. They had six more first downs than the Vikings. Um, like I said, they had six more minutes that, uh, with the ball than the 49ers did. And you're talking about a team, the 49ers, who were favored to win the Super Bowl. Um, it wasn't one of those situations where in the division round they were they were rusty. Um, this was a team that went into the playoffs with a six-game winning streak. In that last regular season game, they beat the LA Rams 48-0. So this is a, the Vikings just had everything working for them that day. And that's the reason why I believe this is the greatest playoff upset of all time. So we got names like Montana, Rice, Bill Walsh. I mean, just just totally stacked those 49ers. We know what they did the following years coming up. I mean, when we look at that on paper, the 49ers should have won by 11 points. What do you think happened in this game, Tony? You know, that's that's the reason you play the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, if, the, if, the, if we didn't play the games, we would never know, you know. So that's why you play the games, man. And, 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 and again, uh, it, it's nothing because uh, no one uh, believing that the Minnesota Vikings are going to win the game except the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> so and that, that's what it all comes down to. When you – when you are not supposed to win, the, when you know that the team is uh, athletically, physically better than you are, and, you know, they have Joe Montana, they have Jerry Rice, and they have this and they have that, and they're supposed to win, and then so it's now it comes down to uh, your will. And, and that's all it was. When you, whenever you see big upsets uh, like this, it comes down to a, a team believing that they can win the game. That's right. how simple it is. And just your thoughts on the West Coast offense. It was still pretty new at that time. Um, it, it took the league by storm, and, of course, it has blossomed all over the NFL today. Yeah, it, it, the, that West Coast offense, man, was pretty special. I mean, they, they put up a lot of points, a lot of passing yards, and, you know, the teams that had the, uh, the quarterback to throw it and the, the receivers to go get it. Uh, they were pretty. They were pretty well off, and that was definitely the 49ers in, in, in those years. So we're gonna move on to our final one for tonight, and that's gonna be 1985. We got the the New England Patriots over the Miami Dolphins. So the the, the Dolphins show up twice on our list tonight. But, uh, <laughs> so the Dolphins come in as the two seed. The Patriots come in as the five seed, which was the lowest seed available in in the playoffs back then. Um, just to show the difference in these teams here, the Dolphins had 66 more points scored than the Patriots in the regular season. And, of course, the Dolphins were the division champs. Marino led the league in passing touchdowns, completions, yards. Uh, center Dwight Stevenson was the NFL Man of the Year. Of course, they had legendary coach Don Shula. Um, then we go look at the Patriots' side. 
you know, they got Coach Ray Barry, who was just starting his first full season uh, as a coach going going into that year. Um, so a lot of differences there. And then we, we break down some stats here. We got Miami. They got a thousand more passing yards, 17 more touchdown passes. New England was penalized 37 more times than Miami. Kick return game, Miami had, was seventh. New England was 22nd. Kicking, Miami had a better field goal percentage. And uh, punting, Miami had better yards per kick. Miami averaged over four points more per game. So basically, almost all the statistics say that Miami should have won this game. And as, of course, Tony said earlier, this is why we play the games. So we go into that uh, AFC championship game. Got to remember, too, that uh, Miami was coming off, um, you know, a Super Bowl uh, appearance, which they had lost to Montana. We just mentioned Montana, of course. So they were the defending AFC champs there. So they take a 7-3 lead when uh, Marino throws a touchdown pass in the second quarter. And that'd be the last time that they lead in that game. Um, the, the final score ends up 31-14. So Miami, we talked about their turnovers in that other game. They turned the ball over six times in this one. Um, so that, that 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 is a killer right there. So, And even the odds makers, they had Miami going to the Super Bowl. They were um, plus 800 at the beginning of the season. New England was plus 3,000. So huge difference there. And, and Vegas usually knows what they're talking about. So uh, this is, in my opinion, the biggest upset of all time. Tony, you were part of this game. Tell us about it. Uh, it was a fun game to play, man. Uh, you know, I I, I I remember we hadn't won in Miami in probably like 19 years or something like that. I don't know how many years it was. We hadn't won down there. We, every time we go down there, we lose. And so uh, Raymond Berry came in that, that, that full year with Raymond Berry, and I think that was the difference in our team. I mean, we didn't – we didn't get too many players. I think we got Irvin Fryer in the draft or nobody, nobody that was, you know, key, key. We had Andre Tippett. We had a great offensive line with John Hanna, uh, Tony Eason and, and Steve Grogan. We, we, we had a, we had a great defense. We had a defense that got turnovers. Uh, and that's one of the things actually that coach Barry practiced. Uh, he practiced the linemen recovering fumbles everybody had to recover fumbles in, in practice and and that was it was a big difference man we, we I think I don't know if we led the league in uh turnovers that year but we we're, were definitely at the top but again we we just believed that we we're going to go down there and win uh and that really was our Super Bowl I mean I I, I tell you man it was it was one of the best games that and best feelings that that I ever had in playing that game because no one thought we were going to win but us, and, and and there's no better feeling than that when everybody else thinks you're going to lose, but you got uh, about 50 guys and some coaches and a lot of good fans thinking that you are going to win, and you go out and achieve that. It's one of the best feelings in the world because you did it. Uh, it's not an individual thing. It's, it's It was a team thing, man, and, and that that's what makes it really cool. Uh, I tell kids all the time, the only time you can be perfect is when you're with a with the team or on the team, uh, so as a as a, as an individual, we all fall short. But as a as a as a team, you know, you can be perfect. I remember I, I, the only time I was perfect in my whole life was my my senior year in high school. We went twelve and zero. We were state champs. 
And that's my only time being perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a great game. Let, let me ask you also about that team. So when the season started, it was uh, East on a quarterback. I think you guys were floating just a little bit under 500, and they make the switch to Grogan. He comes in. I think he went six and one, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah. And yep. then he, I, I think the injury was a broken leg. If I'm, it's been a long, it's been a lot of years, <laughs> but I think that the injury was a broken leg. So right. when he was ready to come back, uh, Coach Barry stuck with with Eson in those playoffs. Did you think that was the right call? I mean, obviously you got to the Super Bowl, so. Uh, Hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, it, 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 it as as for me, I, I thought Steve should have kept the helm if he if, if you know he slagged down a little bit, then put Tony in. But you know, they uh, coach Coach Barry went with, with went with Tony, so we all went with Tony, and so uh, that's how that was. But yeah, man, it it was. It was a great run. I mean, I, I just tell you, but Steve was Steve was a, a special individual. I mean, we're still friends to the day. I, I had a tournament up in New York that I that I, I was putting on for for a COVID hit, and uh, he would come all the time, man. So he's just a great, super guy, and a good friend. Excellent. We got one shout out tonight. Team that just missed the list, and that was the '89 Steelers over the. Houston Oilers. It was still Houston back then. So let's move into our vote. Remember, you cannot vote for your own guys. Brian, you're in my top corner. Who are you taking? Oh, man, everybody made some really great cases tonight. Uh, for me, I I tell you what, I really like the uh, I really like what the Skins did there against Chicago. I mean, what a run that was Chicago had, and and, and Gibbs found a way to put an into it. So I'm gonna go with go with that one. Okay. Peggy. Well, I got to go with Dion's, Dion's game. I mean, it was fantastic to see the 49ers take a whooping. But at the hands of the Vikings, I mean, a team that, you know, really has had no luck. That was exciting. <laughs> Dion. Well, uh, I think me and Peggy, we got some going on. So, <laughs> I'm interested. I mean... Again, that you could we've had the show talking about the, one of the greatest defenses of all time, and um, certainly uh, the best six. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if if they if they aren't the best, they're like right there. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with, with the Bears. Okay. And uh, gosh, I, I I have a hard time. I can't pick my own. I do think it was the best, but uh, I, I'm also gonna have to go with '86. I did not see – I really thought the Bears were going to win another Super Bowl. So, yes. Tony, come to you. I, I, re, I remember the, the Minnesota Viking game because, I, you know, I, I was so impressed with, with, with uh, Montana and what they were doing with that West Coast thing. Um, Minnesota had no business beating them. I, I just remember I, – I, I remember their quarterback, Wade Wilson, I, I, I don't know how many years he played in the league, but uh, I don't think he won too many games. But uh, to me, that that's the biggest shocking. That the most shocking to me was that game because no one thought Wade Wilson come on, <laughs> Joe Montana. <laughs> Brian, okay, <laughs> Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Wilson pick up some rings as a backup in Dallas? 
I think he might have been on one of those teams. Yeah, like, yeah, in the early 90s there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's three votes for 86, two for 87. So our winner tonight is the Redskins over the Bears. Congratulations, Peggy, on your first win there. <laughs> Thank and you. Because you got the win, you got first question during our Q&A here for Tony. Oh, super. And Tony, you know, I've been thinking about you all week, as a matter of fact. There's some certain questions I always ask guests. And my first question is, you are an NFL scout, and that's close in your blood these days. If you're, they're asking you to pick a college running back, I know you would speak about speed and football IQ that is on the field smarts. What's the third thing you're looking for in a recruit, in a, new, in a running back that you think is going to make it in the NFL? One that's going to work hard. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's, the, that's the key. The, all those other traits are very great, but if you got a, a, a person that's going to work hard, um, man, you, you got something. I mean, you really, you really have something. If you, if you go back and you, you look at all the great ones, I mean, they, they did the work behind the doors where nobody was watching. So it, it's, it's that worth ethic that it's going to, yeah, that, that, and that's the, that's, that's, that's the one that I would definitely put the worth ethic. That's the, the, the harder you work, the, the better off you're going to be. If you outwork everybody and you got a little skill, man, that's going to take you a long way, a long way. Yeah. Worth ethic, worth ethic. Dion. Hey, Tony. Um, honestly, we're in a pass-happy league, um, but we've had a nice stretch of running backs going early in the draft. Um, with the new trend kind of be the uh, read option and dual quarterbacks, do you see possibly the value of running backs going up? I definitely see that, man, because, you know, you know, Right now, every every good team they have two good running backs that 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 they can switch in and off. Uh, uh, and that that was back when we were playing. We we really didn't do that a, a lot. Uh, but now it's 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 so it's so valuable to have a running back that can come uh, come in and not just run the ball, but be able to do everything. Be able to block. Be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. If those are the talents that you know every scout is looking for in, in, a, in a running back, and I think the value of a running back is is it's it's definitely valuable on, on every every team. I mean, you you look at all the the good teams and the teams that rush the ball the, the most. They, they they got that running back that can either put it down or or, or get out in the backfield and do some damage uh, catching the ball as well. So I really feel, think that. Um, and I, I could be biased because I'm a running back myself, but, you know, a, a valuable running back that can do it all, run, block, and catch, you got you got you somebody special. Brian. Yeah. I want to take you back to October 1984. He had a controversial head coach, Ron Meyer, was fired. <laughs> and, and Raymond Barry took his place. I mean, it was – there was all kind of rumors going around. So I don't know what's true, but there was rumors that, you know, the locker room was kind of lost, you know, with Meyer there. There was even rumors that there was some kind of trade maybe going to happen. You and John Hanna 
Uh, so what, what can you tell us about what was going on at that point? And then what was it like playing you know, on the flip side? What was it like playing for Raymond Berry? With, with Coach Myers, when Coach Myers came in, it, I think it was my, like my, my second year because my rookie season I had Ron Earhart. And, uh, and so Ron Myers came in my second year. Now, mind you, there's John Hanna, uh, Mike Haynes. I mean, this, these are uh -huh. Sam Bam Cunningham. Uh, I mean, we, we had some players that were, have been in the league for, for a while. Uh, Harold, Harold, um, not Harold, but um, um, yeah, I can't think of his name right now. But uh, I mean, we had we had guys that had been in the league. Steve Nelson, a, a linebacker that was on the team. But so we had veterans. And what Ron Myers did, he he brought in uh, the college coaching. You know, he brought his uh, he brought all his college coaches with him, and so they were coaching the. The, the the older guys like college players and uh, it didn't it didn't go off too well I mean we we, we won a, a couple games and uh, maybe uh, we had a couple I think we had a couple winning seasons with with Ron Myers but nothing nothing special uh, and so that that was the click with that the older players really wasn't wasn't meshing with Coach Myers and the way he was coaching. And I think that for me, I was still a young player. I was still a rookie, so it didn't matter to me. I I just wanted to play football. So, <laughs> but uh, the older players, uh, it it got kind of ugly a, a few times. But uh, but when Raymond Berry came in, uh, it, it was a whole nother story, man. You know, Raymond Berry's a Hall of Famer. Uh, sure. He played in the league for years, and with with one of the best quarterbacks to to ever play the game. So you know. Uh, this guy knows uh, football a little bit, <laughs> and so he, he he taught us, man. He taught us how to win. Uh, he in, in in a year, uh, it was about a year and a half because he came in the year before. But uh, during the off season, you know, he he we did things that we never done done before, and and you know, he got the guys uh, believing in him, and and that was that was pretty special because you know, again, you know, you got John Hanna. And, Pete Brock and you got some older guys, Julius Adams that had been in the league for a while, uh, and these guys all took in, and and so we all took in with them, and and, and that was the difference. That that without a doubt, uh, without Raymond Barry, we we do not make it to the Super Bowl in '85. We might not even win the first game against the Jets. Uh, uh, that that playoff that playoff run that we had because all our games were on the road. And, uh, it, it was tough, and he kept us together the whole time. And um, I, I just remember uh, him as a father figure, man. He was a, a, not just a great coach, but a great person as well. So I'm going to take you back even further. We're going to go to uh, East Carolina here. <laughs> so, so as a freshman, you go to the bowl game, you win the Independence Bowl. It was 35-13. That was under Coach Pat Dye. And then – He's replaced your junior year by uh, Ed Emery. So I was just wondering, like, what was the transition like and, and how did their offenses differ? Well, the offense stayed the same. We, we both, they both, they kept the wishbone. But uh, that, that's the only reason I came to East Carolina. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys got a minute. I'll just tell you the story, how I, how I even got down there. Um, because, you know, your senior year, you get five official visits. And uh, I'm from a family of 16. And I've never, I've never been on an airplane before. Uh, 
and so my senior year, the University of Florida calls me up and wants to fly me down to to University of Florida to Gainesville for for a recruiting visit. You know, I'm really excited. I'm more excited about getting on the airplane than than seeing Florida because I've never been on the airplane before. So I get on the airplane. It was fantastic. I get down to University of Florida. Uh, back then, this this is '77. I signed a letter of intent to go to University of Florida. I'm going to the University of Florida. I, I come back home. Uh, when I get back home, uh, I, I get a call from East Carolina University. I'd never heard of East Carolina University before. But on the other end of the line was Pat Dye, and he asked me, did, would I like to come for a visit? I said, I just signed a letter of intent to go to University of Florida. He says, but still, we still want you to come for a visit. I said, are you guys going to fly me down to East Carolina? And he said, yeah, we're going to fly you. I said, yeah, I'm coming because now I get to get on the airplane for the, <laughs> a second time in two weeks. So <laughs> that was the, that was the only reason. That was the only reason I was going to East Carolina for a visit to get on the airplane again. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going. I mean, I was going to University of Florida. And, uh, I get down there and Pat Dye tells me two things. He said, son, if you come here, you'll get an opportunity to play and you'll get an opportunity to play in the NFL. The guy of Florida didn't tell me that. And uh, his words had power to me, man. And uh, I I uh, changed my mind. My mom and dad thought I was crazy. My brothers thought I was crazy. I remember my dad said, I heard of North Carolina. I heard of South Carolina, but where in the hell? Is East Carolina <laughs> wasn't even on the map, but uh, yeah, man, it was it was it was Great something special. Story. But uh, he actually left. He he left uh, after my junior year, uh, my senior year. That's when uh, Ed Emery came in, and I was I was not liking it, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because you know you you know you just been with uh, such a great coach, and then another guy comes in, and I I, I didn't understand the the you know the 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 you know the economics back then as far as the money that he was going to get to go to Auburn or wherever he was going, but uh, Ed Emery came in and I did not like Ed Emery at all. <laughs> but uh, as a as a player, you know you go through. Uh, you go through the camps and you go through uh, spring ball and you kind of just, you know, you know, it was my senior year and I'm supposed to be a leader. And so I, I had, I had to suck it up, man. And uh, I got a good relationship with coach Emery and uh, respect him as well. We, we didn't have a, a good season. We had lost a lot of guys, but uh, did pretty, pretty well to get a, a invite to the combine and everything worked out for me. Mm -hmm. Peggy. Cool. I have a question that I always, another question I always <laughs> ask of my, of, of some of my football heroes. I'm going to give you two, two, sure. your vote, the two top running backs that you have ever seen play. My, my vote. Okay. My, my vote. The reason I wore number 33 was because of, Tony Dorsett, he was my uh, my guy, man. Cause you know, coming up, I think I was in high school. I and Tony Dor Dorsett was, I don't know if he was, yeah, he was in the pros. Cause I was in I was in high school. Cause he was like maybe like eight or nine years older than me. I I got a chance in my rookie season 
awesome. to play against him on Monday Night Football. And mm-hmm. man, it was the coolest thing in the world uh, uh, to me, the, just to be on the field at the same time that he was. And uh, um, I got a chance to meet him and talk to him a little bit. And, and that was pretty cool. We lost, but I, I, I didn't really care about the game. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Played against Tony Dorsett. So. That, that mm-hmm. was that was the that was my guy, but I, I tell you the other guy who I think is probably the the baddest running back. <laughs> it's hard to say, but it just giving you my personal, um, you know, you got you got guys like Walter Payton that are that that was unbelievable. You got great running backs in the league, but I think one of the smoothest guys who I love seeing run the ball uh, uh, was Eric Dickerson. Um, sure. Eric Dickinson was smooth. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he was he was one of the bad ones, boy. I mean, when he if he if he got loose, uh, you can forget about it. And so yep. that those two were were, were my guys, Dickinson and Dorsett. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, uh, Mike had brought it up. I was just about to ask you about your college career at uh, ECU. I'm I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, your, your junior year, 154 and it was seven yards to carry. You were 14 scores and <laughs> you contributed the passing game as well. But um, I also saw that you were inducted into your school hall of fame. I, I wanted to ask you. Congratulations. How yeah. did you feel Thank about you. that? Thank you. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. We uh, uh that year when we uh we had that year my junior year, we had some great backs. Uh, we ran the wishbone, and that's all we did was run the ball, man. I mean, we were unstoppable. We had a quarterback, Leander Green, that that ran things forward. So he was he's probably maybe like 5'10", uh, 175 pounds soaking wet, but he was quick as a cat. And uh, and he just kept pitching us the ball, and we just kept running. We, we actually led the nation uh, in rushing that year. We had, you know, a couple guys who uh, – had um, 7.2, 7.3 yards per carry. And, you know, every time he got the ball, man, it was, you know, you better you better really catch us soon because if you don't catch us early, we're going to be gone. <laughs> and I just remember just having a lot of fun. You know, probably the most times in, in one game I ran the ball was maybe 15. So, you know, it was it was times when you, you, get, you, get, you get the ball maybe seven times a game. And so those seven times that you get that ball, you're going to do something with it, I think. Uh, one game, I had uh, seven carries for 140 some yards, or some some crazy number like that. But uh, it, it, it was a fun bone. It, it's a it's a uh, offense that I think maybe hardly nobody runs right now. Maybe Army still does or somebody. I don't know. Nate still <laughs> runs the wishbone, but nobody really runs the anymore. But uh, it, it was it was really. Uh, it was it was it was a, a great offense to me. It was because you know you, it was all about the run back then. Yeah, Brian. I, so I'll, I'll tell you why. Yeah, you, you put Tony Collins in Google, and and you know something comes up. You see you see the broken road turn in my mess into a message, and then you yes. see this this appearance on the Steve Harvey show. <laughs> and, and these, video, these videos with uh, you with your granddaughter. So I got to I got to hear in your own words. What, what's this all about? Man, let me tell you, I, I uh, my story, I, I got an opportunity to, to write a book because uh, God spared my life. Um, just to be totally honest with you, man, that's all it was. Uh, God gave me a second chance. 
when I got into the league, I think my third, maybe third or fourth year, I, I got a, a I got addicted to painkillers. And um, from the painkillers, it led to marijuana. And from the marijuana, it led to cocaine. And it led to me getting suspended for a whole entire year from the NFL. And, um, but, and like I said, God gave me a second chance in life. And uh, I, 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 I got to uh, still be here because I should be dead. I'm, I'm going to just tell you the honest truth. And that's why I wrote the book because I wanted to help other people um, uh, going through addictions and going through different things. Uh, uh, it's, it's a tough road. And one of the things I know for a fact that without my loving family, man, it's, I probably, probably wouldn't be here, but you know, I, I, I gotta give, got to give all the glory to God. In, in, you know, God puts people in your life to, to help you. Uh, if you want to believe this or not, I, I, I believe that. Angels. Yeah. <laughs> And he actually put my wife in my life. And when, once she, he put her in my life, um, I, I got the opportunity to change my way of thinking. And, and that's, what I, that's why I wrote the book to, to help people because, you know, it's a battle between the ears. When you can win the battle between the ears, you win the battle. And so that's the, uh, the key to this whole thing. And um, I, I just want to help a lot of people and, uh, and do what I can and you know because I know a lot of uh, guys uh, kids coming up man they have they have they have dreams and I, I, mean, I want I want those kids to dreams to, to, for their dreams to come true and believe that their dreams will come true and they can come true because they actually came true for me and so uh, uh, we put that all in the book and it, it's doing pretty well uh, you can go to Amazon and get it or want a, a, a copy of for me, with my uh, with a signed copy, you you know just DM me on uh, Instagram or on Facebook, and we'll hook that up for you too. Actually, it's cheaper to to go. It's cheaper to go through me than go to Amazon because you got to pay for it. You're not gonna get a signed copy. So, so just DM me on uh, Instagram or Facebook, and you'll get a good signed copy of the book. And you know that's that's what that's all about. The 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 with my granddaughter. Um, it was just a, a thing that, uh, you know, she's a special, special little girl. And uh, I, I have 13 grandkids. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. We just, we just got, we just got a new set of twins. My son got, got a two uh, set of twin boys. And so now the Collins uh, name is, is, is definitely going to keep going with those guys. So um, um, just real special. I'm a big family guy. I love family. Uh, I love being with my grandkids, and uh, the thing went viral with my granddaughter, and so Steve Harvey ca caught it, and uh, we had the got that chance to meet Steve Harvey and go on the show, and it was a lot of fun, man. And we're we're still trying to do great things and uh, uh, help as many people as possible. You can uh, check me out on Instagram or on Facebook, and uh, it's to me, it's all about helping people. Uh, you know this world that we live in, man. It's 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 a tough world if you let the world get to you, but you can't let it get to you. You just gotta win that battle between the ears and have as much fun as possible. Take care of yourself and uh, just love life, and that's what that's what we're doing. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, I want to thank Tony Collins for joining us tonight. Thank you, Tony, for being here. Just it's an honor. Appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate you guys. I, I, I and I know, man. I I I, I think I. 
screwed up a couple of times and missed it. And I apologize for that. I, I, I want to be a man of my worry. So, oh, no, so just no, fine. Well, yeah. we were going to come back as many times as we needed to until <laughs> <laughs> you showed up. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. You guys keep doing what you're doing, man. Awesome job. Awesome. I'll remind everybody, hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. We'll see you next time. Have a good night.